0: Father, we uh, do thank you. We need a revival. A revival is already sent to us. Ask what you will and it will be given to you. We interpret that to be things. But in reality, it was meant, ask whatever you will that relates to your spiritual maturity. and It will be given to you. And many people misinterpret it as material things and then are discouraged when they use the scripture to say, you said whatever I ask, it would be given to me. I need a new car. And the new car doesn't come. But that prayer is always answered when framed with the right spirit. God, I'm asking you for a greater, greater anointing in my life. And you said you would give it to us, whatever we ask in your name. I pray right now in this room, because there's a lot of work you're going to do on all of us. So would you do that work as you've already started in our hearts? In Christ's name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor before you seated and so say you look better with worship on your face. All right, here's the message. It's a tough message the continuation of the Beatitudes, I'll give you a disclaimer right now. The message is a hard message to preach because you have to eat what you preach. And on this beatitude, it's a, it's a real challenge and we're going to endeavor to deal with it. And all of us in this room this morning are going to be uh, touched in some way Some of you are going to say, I ain't never coming back. So I'm going to go ahead and scan the audience now so I can see all of your faces. Lest some of you don't come back, at least I'll have a memory of what you look like (laughs) in worship. It's the beatitude, it's bigger than what you really believe. Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, Matthew 5 9. God blesses those who are peacemakers they will be the children of god you're not taught unless you take a special class in how to manage conflict you don't have that through high school usually and in uh, in college you go to seminars and say all right if you're in business teach you crisis management we need to understand how to deal with people because people are imperfect we have a culture that's imperfect we have conflict with children conflict with marriage, conflict with families. After the message this morning, a man came up to me, and I'm, I'm going to refer to Andy Griffith in just a few minutes, but he said, pastor, of those reasonable individuals who were the principal players of Andy Griffith and Barney and etc., there was only one married, he said. And he said, do you know which one it was? And I'm, you know, I'm greeting people. And I said, no, he said it was Otis and he stayed drunk all the time. Uh, there's, no, there's no inference. of course. It's just what he said. Some of you fussed on your way to church today. Some of you are stuck in conflict, challenges on the job. Some of you have business relationships that are challenged. The whole world is in conflict. And by the way, while I'm thinking of that, uh, Frank Kendrick and you guys, and their daughter, Morgan, is uh, running for uh, Miss uh, university of florida and that's next week right so raise your hand i'm going to be praying for morgan we want her we want her to be a winner okay it's great god bless you put your hands together <laughs> conflict but no one ever really taught us so today you're going to learn you're going to learn some things if you're careful now i'm telling you you're going to take copious notes some of you will some of you won't give a rip some of you'll say i'll i'll down, put it download it But everybody you know, a lot of people you know, you're going to wish before it's over, but they ought to hear that message. Um, You you know, you become a parent. No one really taught you how to manage conflict among your children. Uh, You usually learn that by accident and learn it by mistake. So we know it's there. And some of you came to church. It's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, that's important. If you're going to get one message to begin the ministry and take off, it's the Sermon on the Mount, to be blessed, happy. Blessed means happy, Happy are ye. And then Matthew 5, 9 says again, God blesses those who are peacemakers. They will be called what? Children. All right, they'll be called what? Children. This is going to be a participatory message. You got that word out, thank God. To all of us, they are the children of God. What if you don't practice peacemaking? What does that make you? Well, you'd say, well, according to that, I'm not a child of God. Well, I, I don't know that I would go that far, but I can agree. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. As a true believer, we are to be peacemakers. We are not to have aught with our brother, anyone else. You see, and uh, some people say, well, I, 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 we just don't have peace. Uh, you see, here's what peacemaking is not. It's it's not avoiding the problem, and it's not appeasing. Peacemaking is not just turning your back on the problem, nor appeasing. In other words, I I'm, I keep peace in my marriage because I just don't rock the boat. Well, that doesn't do any good. Or we sweep everything under the rug. We just don't talk about the big subjects, or we just grin and bear it. That's not peacemaking. That's cowardice. And that God never intended for marriage or any relationship you have to be troubled all the time that does not help you say well I'm just give in all the time it's peace at any price that's not that's codependency and that's not what God when people who are in love with Jesus are mature in their relationship with God my friend ought to have peace with everybody they know in their own heart Now, you're not going to agree with everything that I'm going to say, but everything I'm going to say, I can back it up here. It's all right to disagree. I certainly don't mind that. The Bible said, God blesses those who are peacemakers. Right now, there are five wars going on in the planet. No peace around. Border relationships, all challenges there. Parties at odds with one another. And we know that that happens all the time. So let me share with you, if you don't mind, unresolved conflict, why it's important for you to resolve it. Number one, it blocks your fellowship with God. That's number one. You cannot be right with God and be wrong with everybody else. You can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and everybody you know, or the majority of who you know, cannot stand to be in your arrogant presence. You can't do that. First John 4, you can't love God, write this down, you can't love God whom you've never seen if you don't love the people you do see. And to claim that you love God while hating others makes you a storyteller. Liar. It's a liar. Number two, it hinders your prayers from being answered. That's another reason it's important. Not only it blocks fellowship, it hinders the prayers. Here's why. God and people are connected. God loves people. He created you and me in God's love. And the number one thing that God wants us to do is to love people. When you're at conflict with people that you know and that you work with, you certainly aren't loving them. And we know we have Valentine's Day coming up. Isn't that right, guys? Isn't that right, ladies? Listen carefully. Here's one one for you ladies. Here's what it says. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, uh, be considerate of your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing hinders your prayers. Somebody say amen. amen. There you are, guys. Write it down. That's just for you. Well, you don't know what I have to live with. Yeah, and you made her that way. Number 3 it blocks my happiness. You can be the most you can be the most wealthy person, smartest, educated, you can have all kind of relationships. But if they're troubled and not peaceful, your life is not happy. You may remember husband, wife, and go to work, and you had a major blowout yesterday, and unless there's peace that's been done, you go to work, and you think that thing nags and nags and nags and nags on you, and you're not 100% at what you're supposed to do. That's the power said, hey, deal with situations. Well, in marriage, how often does it tell you to deal with them? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Make peace. You say, I did that. We just never go to sleep. going to have to deal with it. James 3.18, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. What that means, you're going to sow what you reap, and you're going to reap what you sow. If you sow good behavior, you get good behavior. You sow bad behavior, you're going to reap it. You sow gossip, they're going to gossip about you. You show kindness, you're going to reap kindness. If you sh- show resentment and bitterness, that's what you're going, to, you're going to reap. And if you desire to show peace, you've got to plant the seeds, and you're going to reap a harvest. I said it last week. I said it again this week. Hurt people hurt people. Now I want to give you several steps. Here they are. I know you're just going to destroy me with an amen from time to time. And I want some of you uh, protect your ribs. Okay? It's going to be rib day. All right? Here it is. Say it with me together, everybody, on 47654. <laughs> oh, yeah, hell will freeze over, buddy, before I make the first move. Make the first move. Don't wait on someone else to take the initiative. Hello? You take the initiative. That's number one. Andy Griffith show on the other day. Sharon loves Andy Griffith. We watch Wheel of Fortune. If we're home and then we catch a little bit of Andy Griffith, laugh a little bit and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Barney is having problems for you young people. You you've never even heard of Andy Griffith, okay? But Those of you, Barney's girlfriend, her name was Lulu or who? Thelma Lou. How many vote Thelma Lou? All right, it's Thelma Lou then. Barney's having problems out of Thelma Lou. So he's broken off the relationship. Tells Gomer, I want you to make her jealous. Gomer, you know Gomer. Gomer goes over and talks to Thelma Lou and what do you do Hey Thelma Lou? You know, I can't do Gomer. Etc. Barney sure does love you. You know how wonderful. Then he makes this statement. Barney said he's got you in his hip pocket. Ooh. Oh, he does, does he? Yep, he sure does. So Barney thinks he's got me in his hip pocket. She reaches over and says, "Barney, let's go to a movie or." or Gomer, Goober, Gomer, let's well, there's two of them on there. Let's go to a movie. Go, and Barney sees them. Well, Barney's heartbroken. He's heartbroken. He 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 can't understand it. They take a ride into whatever the name of the other city is that they go into all the time. Mount Pilate thinks. <laughs> they drive into Mount Pilate, have a movie, have all kind of fun. And Barney's just steeped. He's broken hearted. Gomer is beginning to feel pretty good. Andy coaches Barney and says, Barney, why don't you just go over there and talk to her? You know, just go over and talk to her and tell her. You know, Barney says, I ain't done anything wrong. If anybody's going to make a move, she needs to be making a move toward me, Andy. Andy. You sure to make a move toward me. That's how he feels. That's how a lot of misguided people feel. They ought to make the first move toward me. And you're going to see why that's not exactly what God is looking for. You take, in a disagreement, you take the initiative. Well, it's their fault. I'm going to wait on them to come to me. No, it says be a peacemaker. God said that reconciliation in your relationships, having harmony in your relationships, marriage and other, is important, more important than worship. Ooh, now you throw me a curve. We just got through worshiping. Here it is, Matthew 5:23. That's New Testament, baby. It's right there. It's Jesus. I mean, lady. I mean, I mean sir. It's if you're standing before the altar in the temple. And you're giving an offering to God, and you suddenly remember somebody has something against you, you leave the offering there beside the altar and go at once and first be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your gift to God. You know what he just said? He said, hey, if you're in the altar and you're in praise and you're in worship and you know you've got people that you're not willing to reconcile with, then you stop right there, leave your offering, go out and reconcile and come back in and pick your offering bring up. Why? Then you are practicing a major characteristic of God, and that is to love everyone. We understand that. Deal with the conflict first. That's how important blessed are the peacemakers are. In every marriage, in every relationship, there are two kinds. There are the skunks, and there are, there are those that are the turtles. Skunk. The skunks. That's it. He comes home. Dinner's not on the table. She's worked her eight hours too. It's not right. He comes in, he said, I want you to know you can't have dinner on the table. When I get home, I work overtime and come home and you've been home. What have you been doing? Watching? Uh, you've been watching Price is Right or something and you don't have dinner on the table and then you don't have the air conditioned down on 72 like I like it and then the television is not on the program that I like to watch. I want you to know I'm starving to death, woman. It's time that you got the meal on time. You know how I feel about it. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And the woman responded. See, he's a skunk. He's stinking the place up. Or here's another. It's a turtle. It's a turtle. you hurt my feelings. I don't have to listen to that, and you just withdraw in the shell. Well, what's wrong? I, and what did I say this time? Are you going to talk to me or not? I said, Woman. Are you going to talk to me or not? You said you, you said you said, you, you, said, you, you, said you, you, you said you wouldn't talk to me that way anymore. <laughs> what does that do? That's a turtle. Now how are you going to deal with that? You're going to take your hanky out. <laughs> See? Somebody said, oh, don't worry about it. Time heals all things. That's baloney. So you got cancer. The doctor says, you got six months to live. You got cancer. Oh, don't worry about it, doc. Time heals all things. Sure. Somebody cuts you. You're bleeding. You say, you need to go to the doctor. Oh, no, you don't need to go to the doctor. Just go to the waiting room and sit there and wait. Time heals all things. You don't need to see him. Time does not heal all things. And many families, my friend, children often live under the suppression of unresolved relationships between their mama and their daddy, between their grandparents and their daddy or their mama, between brothers or sisters, and just waiting does not resolve the problem. What happens is you begin to store bitterness and you begin to store resentment and that builds hatred and it's beneath there and you will never get it out of the way until you decide to confront it and resolve it. And the number one reason is fear. I'm afraid to get into it because it always winds up the same thing. And here's what scares men. When a woman is courageous enough that goes up after dinner and says, "Uh, we need to talk. Oh my Jesus, how many words do you have left to talk? You got 50,000. Why didn't you spend 60,000 of them? No, I mean we really need to talk you know what? Men are saying, oh God, do I have to put up with that? And she already knows that because that's what she wants to talk about. Amen. She's not your mama that think you never do anything wrong. She's your wife. And if she's Puerto Rican, you are really in trouble. <laughs> And all my Puerto Rican women said, they are proud of it. (laughs) Or redheaded. Anyway, let me move on. Well, how do I know that? Genesis 3 Adam and Eve failed, it was all Adam's fault. Say that with me. It was all Adam's fault. You men that said it was not his fault, Eve had a part in it. Nah, uh, uh, it was Adam. He was the spiritual umbrella. He blew it. But when God came through the garden, what did he do? He said, I heard you were in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. What you're afraid of, you run from. And what kind of relationship can you have with unresolved conflict? Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, the most controlling people you know usually are the most insecure people that you know fear keeps us from connecting to a deep level of feelings in our relationship how do you get over that it is the power of the holy spirit 2 timothy 1 7 says god has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity but the spirit of power love and self-discipline here's number two ask god for what ask god for what for wisdom. Determine that you're not going to let grievances fester and bring resentment and anger. Why? Because you need fellowship with God. You need to be happy. You need your prayers answered and you're not and don't try to deal with it late at night. Let God give you wisdom. Give him the menu for dinner. And really make it a good, great dinner that he loves. And before you serve it, say, we need to talk. But we need to eat dinner. No, we're not eating dinner until we eat, till we talk. You will get most anything in the world you want out of him if you're dealing with his stomach. I'm playing with you. Number three, here it is. You're going to love this one begin with say it with me it's my fault it's my fault just turn to somebody right now that hopefully you know and just say it's my fault hear me many women will say It is never his fault. Women will say it. It's never his fault. And you know why? Because it's never your fault. So if you have two people in the relationship saying, it's never my fault, what you're going to wind up with? unresolved conflict no happiness prayers aren't getting answered oh is it? we're making we're making sense i don't like this message here's what happens often in this one it's self-centeredness how many of you by a raised hand know someone that's self-centered you just know somebody i didn't ask if you are but you know somebody that's self-centered you know that, that's going on. And here's what it means. It means if you're filled with peace, nothing is going to upset you. If you're filled with love, nothing irritates you. If you're filled with Jesus, nothing's going to tick you off. But on the other hand, if you're filled with pride and ego and self-centeredness, the smallest thing ticks you off. You blow up and stink the house up. Why? Because it's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is not right. James 4 verse 1, what causes fights? and quarrels, and conflicts among you. They are caused by selfish desires that are continually at war inside you. So you know what he just suggested? When you are that way, usually something is going on in you that you have not resolved. You can learn to be to disagree without being distressed. You can actually agree to disagree. And then you have to look at your own blind spots. Well, I'm telling you why we're not making it in business. We're not making it in marriage. I just just got to the place where we are incompatible. We're incompatible. We're just not compatible. You are absolutely right. Everybody you know is incompatible with anybody else. You know why? You're different. You're raised differently. You've got different perspectives. You've got the male. You've got the female. You've got, you've got all of it. So if you're expecting, compa- you know what I found out? Those people that are alike, usually the ones that get a divorce most quickly because one of them gets bored. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do whatever you want to do. Well, where do you want to eat? Well, I want to eat, you know, wherever you want to eat. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, I mean, really, where, where do you want to eat? Well, I really, you know, wherever you want to eat, that's fine with me. But do you think we need to change furniture? Yeah, I mean, do you think we need to change furniture? Sure, I think, you know, we got furniture. They got a big sale down at the Salvation Army thrift store. He said, "You want to go there?" Well, I don't know. Do you want to go there? Is that where you want to go? You like the furniture from there? No. Whatever you want to do is just fine with me. What do you think? What time do you think we ought to get up in the morning? I don't know. What time do you feel like getting up? Well, I feel like getting up. When you get up, well, well, I'm going to get up whenever you get up, and one of them's got to get bored in a hurry. So agreeing all the stinking time is not a happy marriage. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, give me a little amen. 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 You don't want that. You don't want That's running from responsibility when you do that. And here's the answer to that. Grow up. Amen? Grow up. Quit fighting and fussing and agreeing and the whole works and running from issues and problems. Sooner or later, mama, you got to grow up. Sooner or later, son, get off your mama's skirt tail and grow up and be a man. Amen. And enjoy that marriage that you are going to build. My Lord. Listen carefully. Here's the conflict that caused by selfish desires causes as it relates to a war. Some people are afraid to grow up because they run from conflict. Conflict is not bad. Conflict that is unresolved is bad. Conflict allows you to be able to think deeper, grow deeper in your heart and your mind and begin to deal with issues, my friend, that makes the relationship better and in fact stronger. Proverbs 13:10 Pride leads to arguments. Proverbs 13, 10. Pride only leads to arguments. Here's the big question for the day, ladies and gentlemen. What leads to arguments? No, only a third of you said it. What leads to arguments? Pride. Pride. There it is. You say, I don't have any pride. You're a liar. (laughs) That's it. There is good, healthy pride. Nothing wrong with pride if it's challenged right, but what leads to arguments, it's pride. And pride says, hey, you don't disagree with me on this because I am right. I had two staff members one time, neither of them are with us anymore. (laughs) This has been a number of years ago, but one was kind of the superior, a little bit superior to the other, and they had a disagreement And they came into my office. By the way, if you're an employer, the majority of your problems is not your profit margin, it's personnel. Well how large does the business have to be that you're going to have personnel problems? Three or more. (laughs) That's why marriage only has two people in it. I said, what's going on guys? Well, we had a discussion about an issue that that we were supposed to take care of. And uh, I, I remember what was said. I understood what was said. I told him what he was supposed to do. And uh, he didn't do it. He didn't listen. I said, Are you, you think you're right? I'm 100% right. Are you now? I said to the other guy, what went on? He said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I know what I heard. I know what was said. I did what we were supposed to do. And he is dead wrong. But well, how wrong is he? He said, Well, he's just dead wrong. I said, Well, he, he looks upright to me. I said, let me tell you something. How right do you think you are? I'm hundred percent right. So you think everything that, that you said, you're hundred percent right. I said, have you ever considered this? That what you say, what you say may not be understood by someone else the way you said it. You agree with that? Well, well, in some cases. I said, so you think you're 100% right? I do. I said, well, if you're 100% right, your brother right there is a card-carrying minister of our church, you're calling him a flat-out liar. Why don't you turn to him and say you're a liar? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, go ahead and say it. Because if you're 100% right and he says that you're not and you're going to stare him down, you are calling him a liar. He said, well... I just feel I'm right, Pastor. Don't jerk the tears on me, buddy. I said, Well, let me ask you this question. All you business people can listen up. I said, What if you were to say you're 98% right? Well, 98%? I said, If you're 98% right, that's a 2% difference. And that 2% difference may make all the difference in the world. And that doesn't mean that he's a liar. That means there might be 2% room for error that it was a misunderstanding. How do you feel about that? Well, that makes sense to me. Then let me hear you say it. He said, well, Pastor, I just believe I'm right. I said, how right are you? I said, how right are you? Well, I'm 98% sure. That's good. That's good. Those two guys did not like one another after that. But over a period of time came together and it was a great teaching moment. If you believe that everything you say is heavenly language and you are always right, you are missing a point. The other person may not hear what you're saying as to what you meant. Always leave room for someone else to be a winner. Well, bless God, why? If I believe that I'm right, why should I give in? There's a good reason. Blessed are the peacemakers. Because you can't be right all the time, and it just might dawn on you except your pride, you could be wrong. And learn to live, and don't just say I'm sorry. To say it. you have blind spots, we all turn to your neighbor and say you've got blind spots. You know you may not see your own blind spots, but those that know and love you best, they know, baby, you got blind spots. Hello, and ball spots. Matthew seven verse number three. Here it is. When you notice the little, here it is. I love this. When you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye. But you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye. First take the wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the dust out of your friend's eye. Why, Jesus is teaching us, you need to confess your part of the conflict first. And you don't start with, well, you know you hurt me. You know you really hurt me over and over and over again. You've just really hurt me. You know what you say? Hey, I want you to know it's my fault. That comes from humility. It might be you're being too sensitive. Listen, ladies. Well, never mind. Let me move on. It might be you might you, you might be ungrateful too much. Just ungrateful, sir. When is the last time you told your wife that I tell you what you are stunningly beautiful? Hello. You are just the right size, and I love every inch of you. Hello? Hello? I want you to know you keep our house. Well, what if they don't keep the house? Well, help them out. Clean up a little bit. Hello? Anybody here? Am I the only one here? You're being too, too over demanding too stubborn judging too much what are your blind spots here's, here's another listen for their hurt and perspective somebody else has a perspective I shared that's important to, in the midst of a relationship that's in conflict to just listen hurt people hurt people when you listen you just listen People are filled with peace or at peace with everyone else. But the person that is not filled with peace, that's got trouble going inside, they're the most obnoxious, irritating individuals, and no one wants to be around them at all. Why? Because sometimes there's not enough room for another opinion to be accepted in the relationship. Just not enough room. If you ask someone how they're doing and they say, I'm fine, what that means is I don't feel I'm listened to. And how you say it, I'm fine. James 119, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry, and slow to mouth off. That's an addition. God gave you one mouth and two ears. Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Each of you should look not only at your own interest, got it, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ. And old Chinese proverbs, some of you like Chinese food and sushi, so we're going to use this. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Often we try to get the other person to see our position before we listen to theirs. All right? We're so busy speaking and defending ourselves that our blood pressure begins to rise and anybody in their right mind knows that there's no way that I'm going to be able to talk and have a conversation. Romans 15 2 Paul writes, we must be considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Let peace, let less please the other fellow not ourselves and do what is for his good and thus build him up in the Lord. That sound pretty good? I know you wrote that down. Number five, speak the truth tactfully. Speak the truth tactfully. How do you like my hair today? Speak the truth tactfully. Darling, you asked me the question, how do I like your hair today? I want you to know that it wouldn't matter to me how your hair looks. I'm so in love with you, no matter how you wear it, it's absolutely beautiful. And if she's smart, she's going to say, you didn't answer the question. <laughs> so what are you saying, Pastor? Have several good lines in your repertoire, okay? <laughs> speak the truth tactfully. Ephesians 4.15, it says, speak the truth in Love, all right? And then careful, reckless, Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Tongue of the wise. Speak the truth tactfully. You know what? We've we've had a rough time lately. And now there's a lot of stress on your job, a lot of stress on my job. The kids are acting like your side of the family. Oh, don't say that. (laughs) Kids are acting up and... uh, I know that no matter what we do, money is really tight right now. So maybe maybe we could spend a little more time together in prayer. Maybe we could take a few more minutes just to sit quietly and compliment one another. Maybe we could really ask God to help other people and what they're going through. Ephesians four twenty nine. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what is needed. Fix the problem and not the blame. It's your fault. Did you hear me? I said it's your fault. It is your fault. It's your fault. We told them we'd take them out to dinner and you're the one that said order anything off the menu that you want. <laughs> Did you forget that there's several items on the menu that's $49.59? It's your fault. You shouldn't have told them that. You see, you learn to attack the issue. Your enemy is always not another person, not a situation, it's the devil. Don't ever forget it. Learn to attack the issue and not each other. Come to the realization in relationships that you're all on the same team. And any time you're busy fixing the blame, you're wasting energy at fixing the problem. You wonder, for example, in government, if you talk to the Congress, the Congress say it's the President. If you talk to the President, he'll say it's the Congress. If you talk to a different political party, it's that party. If you talk about border control, if you talk about anything, it's always they point fingers. You know who the victims are and all of that? It's the U.S. citizen because nothing ever turns seemingly like it needs to because people just aren't willing to say. And remember, there are some words that are out of bounds. But you did this. I know, but you said that. No, I didn't say that. You said that. The reason I said that is because of what you said. You, 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 you blame. No, but you, you don't understand. You continually do the same thing. I'm sick and tired of that. If you don't cut it out, I want you to know I'm just going to quit. Hello? Hello? you don't threat. Colossians 3.8, you must rid yourself of all such things as these. One, anger, rage, malice, slander. And here it is, filthy language. Say that with me, filthy language from your lips. That means you can't cuss. You shouldn't cuss anyway. Well, I don't really cuss. I mean, I have some slang words. Why? Aren't you better educated? Aren't you filled with the Spirit of God more than needing slang and curse words? He said in your relationship or your marriage, don't get angry and rage. You know why A- anger? People resort to anger because it intimidates. So I can't win justifiably in an intellectual conversation, but I can raise my voice and my temper, and I can intimidate. And you know what? Whichever one is the victim of that just goes back and says, I'll give up for the sake of peace. That does not resolve the problem. Malice means you say things that are intentional, designed to hurt. You're just like your mother. I know, my godly mother. I consider that a compliment. Well, You're just like your daddy. Yeah, my daddy, well... My dad was a wonderful, wonderful man. I consider that a compliment. Or you could say, yeah, you said I'm just like my daddy. I want you to know my daddy is far better than your daddy. Your daddy was a drunk, an alcoholic, and raised you, raised you wrongly. Yeah, my daddy, yeah, my daddy, your daddy is the worst daddy. Where are you going to get for all that? So, so you might say, Pastor, where do you come up with this stuff? I listen to people. <laughs> listen. Fix the problem, not the blame. Finally, number seven, focus on reconciliation and not resolution. What do you mean? There's a big difference between reconciliation and resolution. Reconciliation means reestablishing the relationship. Resolution means you resolve the problem. Let me just say this to you. You are never, ever going to resolve every problem. But because you can't resolve a problem doesn't mean that you can't have reconciliation. You can agree to be disagreeable. You can understand that's your opinion. I receive that and respect you for your opinion. If you try to spend your time trying to bring resolution to every single thing, my friend, you will never have reconciliation if you go more for resolution. So what do you mean by that? I'm telling you, reconciliation is exactly what God desired. It's called wisdom. It's Christ-like. There are many disagreements, and we have a world that's filled with conflict. Let's go and say, hey, we can reconcile. That means we're going to choose to be friends. We're going to respect one another. We're not going to dishonor one another. We're not going to uh, gossip about one another. We're going to bury the hatchet, and we're going to decide by the love of Jesus Christ that is in us, we are going to reconcile, and we are endeavoring to make it and be Christ-like it. Here's the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Are you ready? All right. All this is from God, Who, what's the word? Reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? What's our job? Reconciliation, all right? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. What did he mean? there were times that you disagree with me. I'm not holding your sins that relates accountable because you did not understand them. What I am going to ask you, I will forgive your sins. There is nothing that you could do that we could in fact bring back resolution because sin is death and your carnal nature does not necessarily understand that. But my desire to love you is to bring reconciliation to help a relationship with you that I can forgive your doubts and your fears and the error of your ways in order I can reconcile with you. And he said, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors with other people, as though God were making his appeal, his appeal through us. We implore you, Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God and be reconciled to one another. That's why. He says, love your enemies by reconciling. Would you stand? You don't have to agree with everything that I said. But you and I are going to be reconciled that the Word of God was just shared. But you got to let it soak in. And don't go home. And get in an argument over this message and say, Pastor said such and such and such. You need to, he was talking about you. Get away from that. Don't blame me. I get enough blame. But this is the truth, okay? It's the truth. Heavenly Father, I thank you because you do not fail, you love us all. Let the ministry of your Holy Spirit be real and evident among us. Give us your favor and your peace. Just in case someone's not right with Jesus, you're not reconciled to God. Would you just everybody repeat this prayer? Would you do that? Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Mm-hmm. I've misbehaved. I've misbehaved. I've ignored you. I've ignored you. I've chosen to walk away from you. I've chosen to walk away. But from today, you. but today, you have touched my heart. You've touched my heart. I ask you for forgiveness. I ask you for forgiveness. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. I ask you in Jesus' I name. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God is able. Tonight, don't abort the plan. God had a plan for you from the very beginning. Don't abort it. God's more concerned about how you handle no and how you handle disappointment than he is how you handle success. It's in when no is stated that people abort the plan. And let me say this to you. If you've got a major, major, major prayer need that you consider big, let me just tell you straight up, you ought to be in this place every time the doors are open because your answer is going to be found usually from the church charged with speaking truth into your life. Don't ever forget that. If you need healing, you're welcome to come down. We're going to sing this through. If you need reconciliation, if you, whatever you need, we just trust you. I had a person tell me the other day, well, you know, it's really, it's tradition, but We don't do it in our church. It's kind of like getting people in the altar is kind of an outdated method. I said, is that right? So are you telling me that the 40 people you pastor, you don't ask them to come to the altar? He said, no, I don't. I said, oh, well, we do at Victory Church still believe the altar is an important place in our worship. We believe that with all of our heart. We believe that. So as we sing, you come, okay? Come on.